0: Yeah, uh, as frequent listeners will know, we're showing Class of, or actually, the Beacon Theater is showing Class of 1999, presented by Seattle Sucks, December 11th at 7 p.m. Uh, show up, we're going to be there, we're going to be chatting about the film, it's an amazing movie. Uh, that involves uh, Pam Greer. That involves Stacy Keach with very uncomfortably bleached hair. Uh, it's fucking amazing. It's about the Seattle that we could have all lived in. And uh, you know, as part of celebrating it, and as part of celebrating Greg's family, we're having a special, <laughs> a special giveaway. We have two tickets. You can win two tickets to Class of 1999 at the Beacon Theater if you can provide us. Any sort of visual evidence of video bread <laughs> at a library somewhere.
1: So we're looking for a
0: selfie yeah. of you
1: your with face, video bread. in a library with uh, video bread in your hands. Any any of the video bread titles, you know, yeah. they, there's, vidi- there's video, there's several pizza. that have video bread in the title, but yes, yeah. v- yeah, some others have. There's video pizza, there's video pizza two thousand, there's probably something called video pizza. Oh, Death artisan pizza. or basics or something. <laughs> but then there's also, um, you know, one called uh, early bird baking mm. video bread machines. Whoa, what the <laughs> hell is that? Video bread okay, rice actually? The no, you have to find <laughs> yeah. video bread machines. That's the only qualifying no, title. No, any video it bread. Has, is like, fine. It's, you'll know it by the clip art of a loaf of bread, where in the crumb, you know, it's like black for the crust two-tone you know laser printer like black for the crust and then the crumb the white crumb just has two gears turning inside
0: of it oh my god <laughs> all right um i will be i will be happy to see this for the first time when somebody sends it to us yeah uh yeah any visual evidence of video bread at a library go ahead uh you can either dm it to at seattle Sox pod on twitter or or uh you know just L- mention us. Yeah, yeah, just add us and post it or whatever and we'll have two free tickets for you to see Class of 1999 at the Beacon Theater. Um, you know, if and this is, you know, the first person to
1: give us this video evidence will be eligible to claim both tickets. If you don't have a friend to bring, then we'll... As we'll, our
0: research <laughs> indicates,
1: <laughs> you don't. <laughs> then we'll open it up for someone else to win that second ticket.
0: Yeah. Or you could just make a friend on the bus, give him a ticket. I don't yeah, know. Perfect.
2: And now... To present the award for Most Compelling Performance of Reactionary White Victimhood, Seattle Sucks host and boating enthusiast, Greg. This particular right-wing grifter
1: has devoted their entire adult life to the craft. From one grift to the next, each increasing in scale and purpose. From... Uh, phony uh, how to be a movie producer like youtube content to uh, (laughs) to uh, your basic uh, local uh, reactionary uh, content writer to brief but uh utterly uh victimized and traumatized city council candidate this this man has done it all and now we present this award on this the occasion of his hitting the top level of american right-wing grift apparently a job at the heritage foundation which coincides with his opportunity to finally escape the city that has caused him so much trauma the award goes to Christopher Rufo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you, Greg. Thank you. Uh, you know, a lot of work goes into accepting an award like this. Uh, you know, when I was tricking kids into believing that dinosaurs coexisted with cavemen at the Discovery Institute, <laughs> all I could think was, "How high can I climb?" And today we know. Uh, so, to my fellows at the Heritage Foundation. Uh, See you guys soon. To the people of Seattle, fuck off. I'm going to Katie's compound, motherfuckers.
3: (laughs)
2: Sucks, a podcast about oh, hating hey. the city we
0: love. Can you believe that Greg went to that award ceremony for Christopher Ruffo? That was weird.
2: He did do a fantastic job, though. Yeah, yeah. He did very very professional. Um, the discourse <laughs> was improved by that uh, graceful act. Greg, thank you. But uh, we're back and the uh, sides deserve a voice. <laughs> we're back. Reaching um, across the aisle. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I guess we're not that different, are we? Hmm. Yeah, Uh yeah. so we're back on the boat. Uh, the regular crew's here. It's me, Colin, I'm here. Greg is here. Brian is also here. (laughs) And we have a special guest today. Marina, you're back. I am. Welcome back, Marina. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Welcome back, Cotter theme. (laughs) (laughs) Second time back. Yeah. Um, we'll have to get like a... New badge for your uniform.
0: Um,
4: I am a gold star kid. I love those gold stars. Okay, dude. yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yeah, you know, uh, maybe it's like gold stars. Maybe like epaulets, you know, mm-hmm. up here. Metal, gaudy metal. I'm into it. Yeah, yeah,
2: we should do a field commendation too, because I think our last guest maybe fell off the boat, and that's some a <laughs> problem. Oh, no, okay, that fell flat. Anyway, uh, so there, there was, uh, there was a holiday. That just happened. Um, you may have heard of an ex- extravaganza um, about it, but that was Thanksgiving. So, Brian, how was your Thanksgiving? I'd really love to know.
0: My Thanksgiving was wonderful, Colin. Thanks for asking. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. Me and some friends went out to Bering, Washington, a town that I just learned existed several days ago, and... uh Stayed in an Airbnb cabin wow. and uh, got hammered. And I made them listen to the Thanksgiving special over <laughs> and over <laughs> and over. Who made the turkey? And over again. You're a good boy. We didn't have turkey because we're fucking adults. We had beef.
4: Mm. Love,
2: love it. Wow. Wow, brave. Marina, how was your Thanksgiving?
4: Uh, it was great. I didn't travel, which saved me an immense amount of mental yeah, stress and depression. Yeah, that's always wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a private little potluck at my work that was shut down, so we got to watch all the plebes walk by on the street <laughs> and wonder if we were open, <laughs> and we were inside having a fantastic time. <laughs> was Did
0: there you go- turkey?
4: <laughs> nope.
0: Did you go to the door like you were going to unlock it for them, but then just pretend like you couldn't figure it out? (laughs) Like, I don't know how to
3: unlock it.
4: I wish, but no, we kind of, by that time, we were pretty drunk, so we were just like hiding. We did have the garage door open for, like, five seconds while I pulled in to, Mm -hmm. like, unload food. And this guy rolled up on his bike and was like, are you guys still serving beer today? And we were like, no, get out of here. Go go away. Leave us alone. We're closed.
0: (laughs) And just for, you know, our listeners who might be business owners at home, is it legal for employees to drink inside a bar, Marina?
4: Uh if it's close? <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah. You know. This
3: was a
2: special
1: holiday Cut
3: the holiday. Hey.
2: Brian, are you becoming a cop?
1: <laughs> Why Colin? <laughs> he, who studied, he who studies evil is studied by
2: evil. Yeah. Um Colin, yeah. wh- how was your Thanksgiving? It was it was fine. It was pretty ordinary. Did how- you have a turkey? My brother had a turkey. Uh, I had a field roast celebration loaf. You went Ooh, to your brother's lo- house for Thanksgiving? No, I went to Ocean Shores where oh. my parents went. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have gone as long as I remember and hung out there. And it was very lovely because it was so dry and sunny. Very Thanks. nice Wait, sunsets. Connor cooked a turkey? No, he did not cook a turkey. He he was made a turkey and ate turkey. Okay. Okay, so somebody
1: ate turkey at your yes, thanks.
2: Somebody did, but you had tofurkey. I did not have tofurkey either. But um, yeah, Did, f- f- field uh, roast is what you said, right? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Okay.
0: Did all the right. children at the Magnolia Mindset Machine Learning Academy have their own uh, Thanksgiving? Oh shit! Was I supposed to feed them? <laughs> <laughs> that would just interrupt the coding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Getting gravy I all over the keys. Yeah. Do they have yeah. a Do
4: they have a Thanksgiving version of Soylent? Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> cranberry themed. Oh yeah, Soylent. It's gravy
3: flavor. Yeah. I have a
2: cranberry <laughs> oh, swirl. Yeah. Ooh, Don't yeah. leave your
4: desk. <laughs>
2: uh, <laughs> that probably exists. That's yeah. that's chilling. But I guess, Greg, we should ask you: How was your Thanksgiving? Well, I went to the real America, <laughs> where we
1: have turkey, obviously, and no tofurkey either. I, I already said I didn't have that. <laughs> but, okay. We had only real meat. That's all we ate.
0: <laughs>
3: um, <laughs> I was. Yeah. It was.
1: I went um, to my sister's house, which is uh, literally uh two blocks down from a tractor store and the police station so
4: same thing yeah
1: <laughs> uh so yeah um we had turkey i was actually really distressed i've been telling people as i do every thanksgiving that my brother-in-law is the only person in america who can cook a turkey well in their home kitchen like i've obviously turkey it's it's mostly it's disgusting it's mm-hmm. always dry and shitty it's a horrible thing i swear to god he actually makes a delicious turkey that turns out like every part of it the white meat the breast the but the dark meat everything about the gobbler yeah yeah. (laughs) okay um uh tender moist whatever and i and i show up to thanksgiving and it's just like hey this year i'm gonna make the turkey and i was like no no, I'm I'm leaving. <laughs> <False>. I <am laughs> no, I was like, you don't. Do you? Do you appreciate that it's almost like an impossible? Like no one believes me when I tell them that your husband makes like an edible turkey. She's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do it. Luckily, uh, in the end, she just like followed his exact recipe with occasional like questions to him as he was sort of just taking an easier Thanksgiving than normal, um, which was so it turned out pretty good actually was good. That's, That's great. sample of approval. I also decided to photograph all of the um uh written like yeah, the text was, art. The text art in the house. I had really actually never amazing. I knew there was a lot, <laughs> but until I actually went and I there were rooms I didn't go in. So like I didn't go in the master bedroom, for example. Ooh, yikes. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, oh, I mean, wait, do you think there's an "Always Kiss Me Goodnight" sign there? <laughs> there's, uh, <laughs> I, I, there's
1: probably something. There's probably
0: something in the bat, the master bath as well. You know, I feel there's more text art inside the bedroom.
1: Yeah, there is.
2: Yeah, all because a uh, guy like loved a girl. Is that the what, the other? Uh,
1: <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, no, it was an odyssey. Like when I finally went on the whole, I. And everyone's like, "What are you doing, no, once- Greg? Yeah. <laughs> why, are you, why are you taking pictures of the house like this?" And it's like, "You missed this one over here." And it's like, "Oh, thanks, I didn't." <laughs> and I, thanks, I did. And then they're like, "What is this for?" And then. I just like shrug my shoulders, and they gave up because that's how I answer every question my family poses, (laughs) and they know not to bother. Well, the the
2: anthropologists at the UW will be very pleased with what you produced. Yeah,
1: it's all. Yeah, you can find the Twitter thread. It's there's what there's (laughs) forty. Yeah, it's it's quite extensive. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, I I actually was gobsmacked when I finally did like looked at the thread all in one. I was like this. I, there was a problem, actually. I took, like, these tight photos, not in, like, context. So it actually just looked like I had gone to, like, a, like, a folksy store, store a that a had all something. this yeah. shit. And I had to, like, make clear, no, this is all from one home that people live in. <laughs> was there an
4: ampersand? Like, a single ampersand with, like, nothing in it? Just,
0: that's it?
1: No, yeah. no. No, all I these are all folksy i suggest same. that to
0: my okay. sister. Yeah. yeah,
4: just make sure you get that ampersand with the lights.
0: My, uh, my, I have an aunt and uncle who lives in rural Indiana and, uh, Frankfurt, Indiana. For the people checking at home just outside. I'm sure a lot of Frankfurt fans are around, But anyway. <laughs> that's
1: where the sausage comes from.
0: Uh it is not. That's where nothing comes from. But they're the the high school basketball team. One, they shot the Hoosier gymnasium scenes at the Frankfurt High School, which they're still talking about to this day. And uh,
1: what you're still talking about to this day. Yeah.
0: And their high school team is called the Frankfurt Frankfurters, which is interesting. That's cool. That's yeah. the So J. it yeah. is where the sausage is from. Yeah. Sure. I'm here for it.
4: <laughs> I was a cheerleader and would not want to
2: have to cheer (laughs) frankfurters yeah there's a guy I think in a
0: big hot dog suit too it's a
2: literal sausage party
0: (laughs) (laughs) but uh so my aunt had some of these signs as well and she had one that if I'm remembering well or remembering correctly said something like she was a horse lady I guess it's important to say but don't ride your horse faster than your your <laughs> like angel can fly. Oh yeah! I used to stare at Hell that yeah. as a child, <laughs> like Will Hunting, like like doing a math problem <laughs> on the board, and I could not make. Head or tail? You of this okay. Fucking song. You haven't First of all, seen that bumper sticker. Like so does your sister child. have one of
4: but,
1: these? But uh, <laughs> the other, the thing I would say about that—that that sounds like the one thing someone would have written on the walls of their house because it like really like encapsulates their view of the world, or they think it does anyway. What's fucked up about my sister's house is you look to like one thing and you're like, oh, okay, that's your your sentiment about your home and family, and you're like. No, there's every possible sentiment <laughs> yeah. and, and a bunch of nonsense. Yeah, as well. there was
2: like Christmas stuff in there. Well, there was some
1: of the uh, I wonder, uh, see, weird this nouns we like
2: bakery. This is <laughs> wait,
0: <laughs> this is
1: what we don't know. Wait,
0: wait, does your sister's house have a bakery in it? Grocery
1: be Oh, also oh, yes. I mean, the they have an industrial kitchen. Like the <laughs> stove in this place can fit two thirty-pound turkeys in it at the same time and has oh like six God. burners no. on it. So it's, you, they have a, a fridge that is? the size of four fridges like it's incredible
2: did you have to pay 25 cents for a hot bath <laughs> <laughs> and um, did you have to pay extra for soap and towels uh
1: no i used the um i used yeah. the animal uh, washout back so. <laughs> yeah the soap and towels <laughs> is how they
0: really get you yeah, uh, so all these, types, I mean, your sister's house could just be a sign museum, like, you know. Well, um, <laughs> yeah. I wonder if yeah.
1: Yeah. Like some room of them were Christmas-oriented, <laughs> like, she all clearly had, in time for Thanksgiving, like, whipped up the t- Christmas decorations. There was one of their soon-to-be-two trees were up. Um, Psychotic. Psychotic. Yeah, it's a giant fucking 70s split entry occupied by a child factory. Mm -hmm. Um, So there are four nieces in that house. Um, So, but what what we don't know and what anthropologists will ask, you know, till the end of time Mm is, did those Christmas-oriented text art Mm -hmm. images replace... uh, regular year-round, non-seasonal text art so, images? Did, like, one go up on the Are there nail?
0: alternative signs in storage?
1: Yeah. Uh, does, do they rotate throughout the year? Yeah. Yeah,
2: what happened
0: to all the... Get, yeah, you need to get the bottom this, Greg. Next time you're there, you need to go through all the sheds, go through all the garages, figure this out. This is important. An audit. Yeah. Find the extra Tell her signs. she's been audited. <laughs> Find these signs. <sighs>
2: Anyways. Welcome to our podcast, Good yeah. Friends, Good Food, Good Times.
0: Oh man, We should use. The Please signs. leave by nine pm <laughs> <laughs> uh, why don't you get any signs for your boat?, well, we got a. Uh, I I was regretting not yeah. buying
2: one. as soon as that door opened and I saw it, I was like, "Fuck, I should' have got Greg a sign. That would have just been. We'd <laughs> be floating per- in the canal <laughs>
0: right now. You yeah.
4: <laughs> well, my aunt, I don't
2: have a lot to-
1: of
0: space for art.
4: I think yeah. Road signs are very, you know, panache. Ones you can... that you steal.
3: Sure. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you can only have a road sign if you stole it. You know, right. that's a real. Uh, you know what? Claim there there was one. Yeah, you, I mean, know. you know
1: what? There was in the house. I didn't photograph this because I thought it was. Too, it was of a different type. I should have. It was text art. It was an old-timey antique street sign that was somewhere that said like Washington Street or something. <laughs> and it was old and rusted. Oh <laughs> um, yeah. And I didn't photograph that one.
0: Anyway, did I you ask plates. if you
2: could bundle any of those together or like,
0: uh, <laughs> if I buy three of these signs from <laughs> you, can you I get start moving one them
4: on around on the walls? Like, oh, I thought it was fridge poetry, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's a haiku. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> so, how did uh, Frozen go since you're with three or okay, four is nieces? This whole episode just going to be about my so far, yeah, yeah.
2: I also recently saw it for the first time, so I'm very curious to hear.
1: About this. Um, uh, it didn't. It didn't do anything for me. Frozen. No, I. It, it, I didn't. Is like that because it. of
0: your latent misogyny? That's only part of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> it. Yeah. Not the kind just... of animation. I like not enough tentacles. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Where were the demons? <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't a fan either. I think the the ending. The, the subversion is, is clever, but uh, I think the the chief antagonist is pretty weak. Poorly done. That's my two cents.
0: <laughs> Boy, uh, get that kids' film together. <laughs> yeah. There doesn't seem to be any... Okay, this is getting... Goddamn. This is, this this is Gre- your fault. This is Greg's film okay, corner. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, I don't know. To me, I haven't thought this through at all. But the stakes seemed a little low. Like they keep referring to it as perpetual winter, but it only gone on for a few hours. So it was really just a freak storm. And the solution was always pretty clear, which is just making some kind of uh, rapprochement with the, the, the other sister, you know, and like, you know, figuring this out. Like it wasn't like they were plunged into winter they couldn't get out of for like 30 years or something so like,
0: okay, okay so hold on the film is about a kingdom or whatever that ends up in a horrifying Game of Thrones style winter it's not really that horrifying though it's just snows but the only thing that they have to do to resolve this is for one sister just to go talk to the other one this, yeah, is, yeah, yeah. this is like a movie kind that only of. makes sense for Seattleites because yeah, yeah, like yeah, we we'll yeah. have to go talk to somebody well that's impossible <laughs> <laughs> no task, no task <laughs> as, as difficult as that. And they just have to
1: make up, and that, and there's a bit of a twist in that they figure out. Oh, that really is all they have to do is make up in the end. Um, but that's what they—that's what the protagonist thinks they have to do the whole time. So it's not really much of a twist. They don't necessarily know the exact mechanics of it. They're like, I've got to go talk to my sister and make this right. This thing that just happened. Like she just has to catch up with her sister. <laughs> who went? Uh, who just started walking, and she just has to catch up with her.
2: Not what
4: about to- all the whimsical, like you
2: know, side characters. Like, oh, is there oh, like a moose and like yeah, a snowman? So yeah. They're
1: Finnish. It's, it's Sven,
2: reindeer. Sven and is, the reindeer snowman, and yeah. is the reindeer and Olaf is the... Okay, so yeah. my, my
0: yeah. girlfriend is a nanny and she watches these two little girls, one of which is four and is obsessed with Frozen. God, I cannot believe and this is I, <laughs> I have been driving this child insane by <laughs> insisting that the snowman's name is Maui and then she when she gets mad, she's like, that's not Frozen and I'm like... Yeah, it's Maui. That's why he's like, "I'm welcome," or was it, "You're welcome, you're welcome"? Or whatever. It, it is driving this child slowly insane. I love.
3: To.
1: <laughs> so
0: refuse to acknowledge. That, <laughs> I I
1: pull, I like to pull that same sort of like uh lighthearted gaslighting. gaslighting yeah, gaslighting. Gaslighting kids is the best because they yeah. because they just they just get so annoyed because like the adults in their life all like are humorless and like. Mm-hmm somehow want the best for them or think they do or something (laughs) and I'm just like I just want to tell them like crazy shit that they just give me this look like ugh Uncle Greg you're impossible to deal with you know (laughs) anyway Okay, let's get to the real meat of the podcast. Meat. The Irishman.
4: (laughs) 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 Not
0: corned beef. Uh, The Irishmen don't care for them. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Damn! It's been a lot of race science on this boat tonight, Um, (laughs) and we're not going to stop because our friends at Amazon have produced one ring (laughs) to
3: rule
2: rule them all. And in the darkness, by note. <laughs> uh, so, if you didn't see this, yeah. uh, this this was going around on the Intercept from the old Sam Biddle, who used to be at Gawker. Mm-hmm. Um, the one of the first uh, notable folks to fall from Gamergate, <laughs> yeah. I believe he was fired from Gawker over mm-hmm. Gamergate, uh, but he landed at the Intercept. Cool dude. So he wrote this article called Amazon's Ring Planned Neighborhood Watch Lists Built on Facial Recognition. Um, <clears throat> and so there's a few quotes I think that we wanted to read uh, or at least highlight. Um, so it starts, Ring, Amazon's Crime Fighting Surveillance Camera Division, has crafted plans. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's like, a strong start. <laughs> yeah, that's it's like the Tesla <laughs> truck of
3: sentence fighting.
1: That's not even like... Even cops don't like use the phrase
0: confronting. That's something from comic books. Well, that's because it is a child who who like came up with this uh, task force. Yeah, the marketing. Crime fighting is usually paired
4: with the word vigilante, so which is absolutely (laughs) appropriate.
0: It's either paired with vigilante or McGruff, one or the other.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Has crafted plans to use facial recognition software and its ever-expanding network of home security cameras to create AI-enabled neighborhood watch lists according to internal documents reviewed by The Intercept. The planning materials envision a seamless system, well, yeah, that gives it away right there, <laughs> whereby a ring owner would be seamless. would be automatically alerted when an individual deemed suspicious was captured in their camera's frame, something described as a suspicious activity prompt. So this is the Trayvon Martin, uh, feature. I
3: believe. <laughs> yeah, exactly, I'm pretty yeah. sure
2: that's what this has been. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, I really wonder what, uh, what, what would qualify as suspicious. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, so yeah, I, do we want to talk about that at length or do?
0: do yeah, we I wish I mentioned that real quick, but so uh, yeah, the funny thing about the, like what qualifies as suspicious is over Thanksgiving when I was, uh, not with family, but instead with friends, uh, one of my friends who works for Microsoft and does, like, uh, coding shit or whatever, we were talking about this. He just goes, yeah, it's like making an algorithm that would identify black people is actually probably pretty easy. He's like, he's like they probably did it. Like, it's, it's pretty simple. I was like, cool.
4: Yeah. <laughs> cool. Sure. Wasn't the whole, like, you know, when they started doing facial recognition mm-hmm. for iPhone unlocking, there was a problem because it couldn't yeah. recognize, mm-hmm. yeah, like, yeah. darker tone phases. Mm-hmm. And also, I remember the Xbox 360, that was, mm-hmm. like, a big thing. Yeah, the
0: Kinect, yeah, yeah. So,
4: I mean, like, make your things all you want, but they're just going to be invisible. You know, yeah. you can't pick them up.
0: You know? <laughs> <laughs> <Just> well, no, like... <laughs> it didn't recognize them as owners of anything. Oh, <laughs> that was exactly. the difference. Well, I mean, I think it's
1: been pretty well demonstrated that like and this shouldn't be any surprise like i I don't know like even starting to where do you even start with this this is like basically it's like literally everything that's wrong with america yeah (laughs) pretty much you've got everything you've got like out of control like capital like start wanting to Mm -hmm. like just start changing the terms of how we live got like crazy white suburban paranoia at work Mm -hmm. here we've got um uh i think the the critique that a lot of people are jumping on is one we started to which is that like it's been demonstrated pretty well that like the basic sort of uh structural racism and white supremacy, white supremacy of our society like tends to be encoded into right. um, all technology and all technology all certainly software yeah. certainly anything that's directly supposed to identify people um because that's just a probably a natural fact that's going to be the case unless you really try hard not to and silicon valley is you know or amazon in this case seattle tech is not equipped or interested in doing that in any way i mean this is clearly they're interested in the opposite right like
3: Mm -hmm. yeah
1: they're i mean just think of i mean where do you even fucking start first of all one thing i noticed when i was doing all this doorbelling this Summer and fall
0: was uh, <laughs> holy for Alex Peterson? Shit, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What a lot of suspicious person than the day Yeah, yeah. I kept, going I kept going noticing suspicious
1: people. <laughs> no, holy shit! So many fucking people. So many more than you would think have those ring. Oh, oh yeah, they're all totally they're all over. Yeah. How? Where did who makes the decision? Goes like, huh? I think I need a new doorbell that is has a camera and a fingerprint reader and is incredibly tacky. That's what I don't get. Mm-hmm. Is this ugly little turd of a cheap looking, it looks so cheap and shitty. It's this Mm -hmm. turd on there. And then you gotta love the utterly tinny, like jangly, Mm -hmm. like, um, doorbell sound that it makes. (laughs) It just like sounds like, um, a ringtone from like 1992 or something. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like, how are they selling this to people? And is it all just the, like, it's not all, it can't just be, like, early adopters and like real like tech heads right if you're saying like it
2: was and now it's not i
1: think yeah. what is the pitch to people is it just well, the
2: paranoia
0: yeah it's yeah, literally like- the paranoia so like the 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 in, the initiation of it was stuff like next door right because there's a whole genre just like there's a whole twitter genre of like furry pics and foot pics and everything like that next door has just package stealing that's their genre that's yeah. their foot pics right and they obsessively pass them around. They dream of one day having a package stolen from their doorstep and so they can send a video out or so they can engage in vigilante justice, I guess, yeah. on their front door. So they the and it's also a big Perfect thing. Perfect synergy then for Amazon. Yeah. And so they all talk about no, so Amazon was smart. They also teamed up with a, another social media site called Neighbors, which is literally just next door, but with the ability to share your ring videos like directly. So you can like post your ring videos and stuff. And so the paranoia they create by encouraging people to post these videos over and over again just sells the next product. So it's like a self-perpetuating system, and it's, uh, it's yeah, honestly, a perfect product. In yeah, that
2: it's sense. it's like a it's like a cultural hedonic adaptation where it feels like it's a must have I think for a lot Mm -hmm. of people now if they have a home Um, it's definitely a selling feature and I believe Ring was acquired too Mm -hmm. I think by
4: Amazon yeah. yeah. yeah well it's not gonna like you know suspect suspicious activity and then like Fire door your fucking house. Like, it's gonna be <laughs> you know, as effective as a freaking restraining order is yeah. against like a domestic violence thing, like perpetrator. Like, mm-hmm. no, it's just gonna be like, hey, there's someone suspicious. And then your mm-hmm. responsibility is to call law enforcement, who's mm-hmm. for now, of course, you know, job is to professionally de-escalate, de-escalate. Yeah. situations. Um, but what I think is like...
0: We're, we're having the 20th anniversary of law enforcement de-escalating <laughs> situations right. in Seattle this year. So.
3: <laughs> um,
4: what I think is crazy is that Amazon also right now with mm-hmm. the holiday season has opened up their recruitment for drivers for package-like delivery. Mm-hmm. And if you hear these ads on the radio... Like basically, they're like, you know, you don't need a special driver's license. You don't need like there's no background mm-hmm. checks or anything. And who are going to be the like it's it, who's going to be the people that are answering these calls to make 1950 like 1950 an hour right now during the holidays to mm-hmm. afford, you know, rent oh, yeah, and yeah. gifts. It's like it's predominantly like community people from like communities <laughs> of color and like
0: oh it, people like delivering Amazon packages are going to be the first line of casualties. Oh, of absolutely, the ring. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So
4: Amazon is like recruiting <laughs> all of these people to go get murdered Uh. by like scared (laughs) white people. But but
1: we're talking about this is all gonna supposedly gonna be you know, according to these like leaked documents, this plan and is to be based on facial recognition. Like
2: uh, Yeah, and AI. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So presumably (laughs) all Amazon employees have can have their their faces recognized correctly by Amazon's (laughs) software. And so If the AI, you know, is set off by the suspicious looking activity, it can then query the watch list database and actually find out, oh, this is just a perfectly normal um, employee of Amazon delivering this stuff. But if you're not an employee of Amazon and you just happen Mm -hmm. to be walking through a neighborhood with a hoodie on, you know... Watch out.
4: Like the uh, the non-professionally trained package deliverer who has been to a neighborhood where they've mm. never been before and looking mm-hmm. to where they can possibly drop this package off because there's mm. no proper place to drop this shit off and are looking around gates and windows and stuff to see if anybody's home. <laughs>
0: Yeah. You know, well, not the, no. suspicious. Well, the first ring vigilante who's going to wear a mask that just looks like the camera, you know, uh, is going to cool. shoot one of these guys. And he's like, look, he's a, patch- he's a, a package thief. His whole car is full of packages.
4: <laughs> oh <my God. laughs>
0: but yeah, I mean,
4: instead of planting guns, you're planting packages. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Oh God. But, but yeah, the whole thing is the I mean. First off, facial recognition software is fucking bullshit. It's all made up. It's, it's all trash. But the thing is, it's 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 just a paranoia maker for people in the suburbs who are already too fucking scared of everything around them. And you know, I remember one of the ads for the ring was basically like, you know, you can see if somebody's coming into your neighborhood. to stay, It's like your fucking neighbors are stealing your. It's not people coming into your neighborhood stealing your packages. It's your neighbors are stealing your packages, <laughs> like. But it's this, this whole thing, this whole built-up thing. I mean, th- this is what allows people... like This is Christopher Rufo's grip, right, too. I right. mean, this kind of ties all together, but...
2: Yeah, definitely. It's like reifying the myth. And mm-hmm. um, So why don't we hear a little bit about sort of how it might look. So in addition to the facial watch list, Ring has also worked on a so-called suspicious activity prompt. That would alert users via in-app phone notification when a suspicious individual appears near their property's video feeds. In one document, this feature is illustrated with a mock-up of a screen in the neighbor's app, showing a shabbily dressed man walking past a (laughs) ring owner's garage-mounted camera. Suspicious activity suspected, warns the app. This person appears to be acting suspicious. We suggest alerting your neighbors.
3: Mm-hmm. The
2: app then offers a large notify neighbors button. The document leaves how exactly suspicious is defined a mystery.
1: Well, this shows mm-hmm. you, like, how, what, how, what, by what mechanism do the prejudices and paranoid insanity of our society get coded into software? Mm-hmm. Well, it's very simple. Like, the people doing the coding are insane and stupid so so much so that in their like this sort of pitch document uh in these examples they apparently show someone just walking along but (laughs) sort of looking poor and then Mm. then start to call that suspicious and which begs the question well what the fuck do you mean by suspicious but you've already been told it's like the people creating this these ideas this program um it means they they're just they this is just what they think they're just doing what they think is suspicious which is being poor where you're not supposed to be
2: yeah, yeah. right well i i think that going further that a lot of engineers are true believers in this stuff and that they mm. they think they're doing a good thing and that all problems uh no matter how big or small can be solved via technology seamlessly um, right seamlessly <laughs> Um, and this is mostly snake oil, as Brian was saying,
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, one, the the engineering belief that all human interactions can be, yeah, mediated through technology. technology for sure. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the stuff about like facial recognition, unless they've made an enormous leap forward in the last couple of years since I last looked at it. I mean, that shit was like not repeatable in any sort of real world sense. Uh, my dad used to have the story about how when he was at White Sands Missile Range, when they had to like, <laughs> when it was budget time and they had to prove that they were doing something out there, they'd get a crane out and they'd put the missile up on a crane and then just drop it on something and then be like, see it, hit it. <laughs> and they file a little report about how it landed right on the car, you know, or whatever, right? Yeah. And that's like a lot of what the facial recognition software stuff is, is like, you know, in you know a scenario where we've gained it as much as possible to make sure that the machine like is able to match the face, it's able to do it. But small things like you know simply putting on shades or whatever, just having a different haircut, things right. like that, have yeah. always foiled it. And things like that, lighting yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Now, you know, my friend's comment, which I think is the more terrifying thing, is that I do think that having it recognize things like the general darker hue of the person is possible because that's something that's so vague. That you probably could program, and that's probably <laughs> what's going to end up happening with a lot of the software. Yeah, but uh, you know, uh, the facial recognition stuff, like uh, you know, some some murderer in the FBI database—if uh, he shows up, it's going to know that it's him. I, that's shit. <laughs> that's just fantasy.
2: Yeah, I mean, chilling stuff, really. Yeah.
1: Right. So there's there's two levels to it. There's the one that's unlikely to really in the short term succeed which is they're somehow integrated with all these law enforcement databases with Mm -hmm. you know that includes not like convicted people but various like people of interest in investigations and uh watch lists of the federal government no fly Mm. list whatever (laughs) and they're (laughs) being we know all flawless the kill list (laughs) which is scary (laughs) enough right um yeah exactly but that's probably doomed to fail, but what it that's kind of what it'll be sold as, which mm-hmm. is dystopic enough. but what is more likely to happen is it's just some algorithm that makes it seem like it's working mm-hmm. that makes it pick out anyone who you know probably or gives you a lot of false positives say or yeah, you know, yeah. someone walking close to your house that mm-hmm. you know uh looks new or something um. And you just swipe it away, like that's fine. And then it gives you that hit, that one, and you don't notice, right? Because yeah. it gives you that hit of that one guy you don't recognize who looks poor and mm-hmm. brown and uh, his face is partially covered by a hoodie. And then you go, oh, this shit's working. And then then where do you go from there? Because right now, what this thing is talking about is allowing you to, like, alert your entire neighborhood, everyone on your neighbor's app who has the ring, which, again, is now, like, half of everybody.
2: Well, and what's the point of that? Like, starting a lynch mob? Or, yeah, exactly. I mean, what what well, the, is the yes, point the, of that? <laughs> the thing Fortifying
4: is, gated communities.
2: Yeah, yeah, the thing is,
1: so somebody... So this is presumably if you're not there, right? Like, so now you're letting people My know property. they're... Lock your doors or whatever. <laughs> But the obvious thing is someone's going to call the cops and then, you know, this guy gets blown away and great, problem solved.
2: Uh, To touch on something you said there, um, it's also important to remember that this has been reported on before. All the footage from the ring is being stored, collected, analyzed by Amazon. Um, You have no way to delete it or to get them to stop uh, holding on to that data. And so I... I'm sure that they right now are running all that stuff through these algorithms, trying to train them so that they'll do the right thing. Um, and so, really, it's just kind of like it's a it's a Trojan horse for data collection yeah. for mm. for Amazon, and has been. And if they can build these features that gin up uh, suburban's weird um, sexual appetites, then that's great. If they can't, it doesn't matter because I. I mean, how much how much footage do you think is produced a day? Like, it, oh my god, it's unfathomable yeah. already. Yeah, vast amounts of data, and you can do all kinds of all kinds of stuff with that. And they are doing that kind of stuff. Well, um,
1: and then it's there's questions of like now. I guess somewhere in this article, can you talk about like there's now like a very short step from them sharing it to law enforcement.
2: Yeah, well,
4: they're but already partnering they, with them. Yeah,
0: yeah. As yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I was say, well, here's a thing from All Things Considered today, right? So. Ring offers police departments a way to see videos that people in a certain area have chosen to post or to send out requests for videos that might be close to an incident they're investigating. So yeah, the law enforcement already
3: can see it.
4: And right. you're going to I that, mean, know. you have the option as, like, a neighbor user to not let the police, like, view your shit. Um, but mm-hmm. there's somebody in the article that talks about, you know, like, what are the implications that if the police come to your door and they're like, hey, we need to see your Ring video footage and you say no. Mm-hmm then you know it's probably gonna be like failure to comply right and then you know they can also subpoena the actual company and then just get the footage from them well
1: it seems clear like that is one that they're saying it's like they're kind of playing it two games they're saying like you have this user control to like send this video to the police if you want but actually seems clear the Law enforcement yeah. has other avenues. They can just ask Amazon. So you can either yeah. initiate the thing that the police know nothing about and don't care yet, and you can initiate it. But if there is something that they want, they clear, Amazon's basically said, oh, yeah, if they ask, we will give them whatever. Yeah. And that could be yeah. a Trojan horse to just a full integration where the cops just have access to whatever yeah. they want, whenever they want.
0: Well, and if I'm sure, if you looked at the fine print in your uh, ring agreement or whatever, uh, you'll find that Amazon actually owns the video. Oh, so really, you even giving permission is a formality? Like, yeah, it has exactly. Nothing to
3: do with
4: One it, of anything. the cops or whatever—I think it was from Philadelphia or something—in the article, and he like literally said, "Like this is fucking great. Yeah, <laughs> like uh, this whole like system is fucking great." And it's 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 just a furtherance of like our technological isolationism in this Mm -hmm. fucking late-stage capitalist dystopia that we're fucking living in where it's like, you know, when you had a community... And you had people that were there to protect each other and, and look out for each other. And you knew everybody in your community, you know, because mm-hmm. a lot of people nowadays, like, don't know their neighbors, like, have never talked to their neighbors, have never said anything, have not even gone over to borrow a cup of sugar, mm-hmm. you know. Like, that was your community watch, just because you have somebody, like, I lived in the south side of Chicago, and, mm-hmm. like, I was 23 and, you know, was, lived in this apartment complex, and the woman who, I had a woman who lived on the first floor... Miss Deb, you know, bless her soul. And then Luis, who lived next door, and, you know, they were always home. And my mom, my parents, when they dropped me off and they were about to fly back to California, you know, Miss Deb was like, don't worry, you know, we're all here. We all know each other. We know who comes mm-hmm. in and out of here. Like, you're, she's going to be fine. Like, it's okay. And I was, I was totally fine. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Miss Deb was always there. Luis was always there. Um, you know, we knew people and we talked to each other because that was human community contact yeah. not like i'm taking a shit and i get an <laughs> alert on my phone that says there's some weird guy outside mm. walking his dog who i've never seen before and mm. i'm gonna like let yeah. the whole neighborhood know
0: hey who also could be your neighbor because nobody knows the neighbors right because yeah. nobody knows the Ugh. neighbors yeah and i you know uh they've done uh, studies that you get in that same all things sort of piece they talk about this danish study where they're talking about um people who had they were using a different app essentially to to play this game of like uh tell you know tattle on the strangers or whatever. And they're like all well, that you know, while participating in the app made them, you know, they claim they felt a sense of security. It also made them feel much less safe in their home, right? And it's one of those things that it's not even yeah. that there's a problem that the ring is solving. It's a thing that's creating a problem in your brain, right? Like it's it's creating the paranoia in your brain for this problem that doesn't even exist. Because especially you know in Seattle, I mean, it's like the safest that's ever been, right? <laughs> you know, such so just a, a you know creating a problem that doesn't exist. And
4: yeah. you well, want a rousing good time? Go on to next door for magnolia and man yeah. it is just
0: yeah
2: it's wild that yeah. It, is my next door it is a
4: bunch of scared white the, people and like the, there are more leftists living in magnolia than the, i think mm-hmm. that a lot of them realize because mm-hmm. there are some people going to bat in those forums for sure <laughs> that are like you're old and you're stupid and you're racist <laughs> as fuck
0: yeah. like shut yeah. up <laughs> as of late there's been a lot more people on next door like fighting back against some of this stuff but uh yeah i mean the they're um generally cesspools. Well, I always kind of wonder, you know, part of, like, the anti-insurgency st- or the counterinsurgency strategy that the U.S. used abroad was, you know, you uh, build relationships with community organizations and then turn them into snitches on the community, right? And then you make it very clear who snitched out who when you, you know, grab people and fucking shoot them in the middle of the street and stuff. You also, like, kick down doors at random times and, like, run through the place. And the whole idea is not necessarily that, like, all oh, you know, this is going to create a community of snitches who turns everybody into us. It's that this is going to break down the social bonds of the community so they stop talking to each other. And then whether they like us there or not, it won't matter because they can't, you know, put up resistance, right? They have no collective resistance. They're completely alienated. And it is kind of funny that in the U.S., we just did it on our own, like piece by piece, like, you know, just a complete distrust of everybody around us. We live like we're under siege or any, you know, something like that, And it, you know. just fully accepted it so it's kind of astonishing yeah Uh, um
2: (sighs) (laughs) yeah uh well on that particular note i think that's a great place to segue to another failed uh city council candidate ari hoffman getting a media platform from is that Is that Henry Rollins? Oh, no. That's Anderson Cooper.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Easy to make that mistake.
2: Um, So if you didn't catch this... Both ripped. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Anderson Cooper had to get in on this whole whole thing, this uh, myth-making grift, and he decided to do a show on homelessness as part of 60 Minutes. And homeless ha- in Seattle. Get it, guys. Get it. <laughs> and the movie. Get it. Oh yes. <laughs> Get just it. Just watched it.
4: Get it. Yeah, uh, yeah
2: <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs>
4: that's the that's the revamp 2.0 version. <laughs> yeah. Nora Ephron, where are you? <laughs>
2: uh, and of course, he reached out to the ex- I mean the expert, as we just discussed and heard the candidate
1: from next door, Christopher. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, Christopher Rufo has fled the city uh, he had to leave, in the no, he got of the to leave. I mean, he's he, <laughs> he's making
1: it like oh i had to leave because the city it's like drove us out of here but mm-hmm. like
2: no he he has now mm-hmm.
1: he he has reached peak peak grift he had he's st- uh, the discovery institute he is now working for the fucking heritage foundation dude mm-hmm. that is the pinnacle he has made it so he's now cashing in. he's getting a nice fucking place out on the peninsula he doesn't have to like put in the daily fucking grind every day he can just sit and slowly churn out um op-eds mm. uh to be placed in eventually i'm sure the washington post and the new york times and the wall street journal and like great
4: maybe he's, he's good maybe the award that like shape that you were thinking about is just like a pair of gilded calipers <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> hell yeah uh, hell yeah but uh... <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, and it's worth I mean, in his, uh, you know, on Facebook, he wrote a goodbye letter to the city, and you know, pointing at the fact that you know Ring is dealing with a problem that doesn't exist. You know, he complains as I call, "I'm leaving the city because of the uh, extraordinary rise in crime and the high taxes," and of course. There has been no rise in crime as discussed repeatedly on yeah. this show, right? And Seattle's an incredibly safe place to live. And then somebody on Twitter has hilariously put, like, you know, Seattle's taxes actually aren't even high relative to other places in Washington. And just for, like, shits and giggles, I was like, is that true? And I looked up like the property taxes below average for Washington. The sales tax isn't the highest in the state. And I was like, so it is just all horseshit. It's just all this fabricated, like, world that they're all living in. And not in, to mention the know? big
4: co- corporations that are here are not getting taxed. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like, there's a you know. huge chunk of people in here that are not getting tagged. Yeah,
0: you know. yeah Christopher Ruffo's number one concern. They're doing great, but but well, even that was like him. horse shit, which was kind of funny, but yeah.
1: But Ari is different. You know, Chris, like his entire adult life has been dedicated to this mm-hmm. grift, like building one on the next to like reach this pinnacle, but Ari, he's really
0: just getting in on this in the last you know, year yeah. and a half or so. Yeah, yeah. Um, what I and, think is just an idiot like I don't think that he's actually even trying to get in on the grift I think it's just a moron I think,
1: I think once he got a taste of it in Seattle is mm-hmm. Dying he likes the attention I want to keep this going yeah, it's really not a long term plan like he doesn't have a vision board the way Chris Rufo does like <laughs> no. that like pictured like Heritage Foundation circle like up at the top right mm-hmm. corner but like he's like once he got in he, he saw his face and heard his voice on video in Seattle is Dying then i mean that was enough to convince him to run for city council and now he is like a go to he's like the guy when you want the the shithead uh point of view but that's what ends up being great about it have you guys actually watched it
0: yeah
4: i read it i didn't watch it
1: so the this so this is 60 minutes so this is like this is, this is the, the most in-depth most <laughs> um serious sort of sophisticated news program on network television so what i'm saying is it's incredibly it's simplistic and stupid uh-huh. yeah <laughs> and <laughs> it's fucking brain dead um so but what's fu- what's funny i mean everyone rightly i think jumped on you know instinctually like jumped on on twitter like ah, oh, can't believe cbs anderson mm-hmm. cooper had this fucking shit head on and Obviously, that's that's definitely right to a point, but I watched it, and mm-hmm. um, listen, again, very simplistic and stupid. Trying to, like, cram this whole issue into 13 minutes, which, again, is, like, extremely long for, like, network news programming. <laughs> extremely in-depth. But ultimately, again, there's, like, a, a load of assumptions that it just takes for granted and washes over, but overall, if you situate Anderson Cooper's little 13 minutes on homelessness in Seattle in the sort of in the city's own politics of the way different factions sort of look at the issue honestly he doesn't get that much that terribly wrong and he Mm -hmm. actually uses Ari Hoffman as Mm -hmm. like a, a just a brief foil he says like one thing he's like actually uh it's ridiculous to think about uh, this issue as a cost of housing problem, which the whole rest of the 13 <laughs> minutes is about. It's obviously yeah. really a drug problem, and then it immediately cuts to, but we talked to this non-idiot who yeah. knows yeah, things and has studied them. stuff.
0: Yeah, this academic from the University of Illinois has been studying homelessness for uh, decades.
1: Uh, and like, what no. he said was, actually, while yeah. obviously, um, drug addiction, you know, causes a problem for some people on the streets and and makes it and tends to be associated with the people who are on the streets the longest because it's so hard to get out of that. Actually, all the data shows that that's bullshit. So while it doesn't like jump into it from like like a full-on culture war like Seattle culture war standpoint, <laughs> mm-hmm. it does sort of let that side get that on the TV and then immediately undercuts it and says like. Yeah, that's obviously insane bullshit. It doesn't come out and say, like, this is a reactionary viewpoint designed Mm. to demonize uh, people and dehumanize these people who are suffering and cast this whole what is essentially a problem of capital as like a problem of human choices. It doesn't say all that, but it's it at least implies that that's a dumb fucking way to look at it um, and lets you draw your own conclusions. So I think it's... uh, what I love about it is Ari's just happy to have been on TV.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's all it's about for him. Well, and, uh, they even have Durkin on there at one point. She's like, Oh, you know, we got, uh, <laughs> we've got this figured out. Like, we're, we have like the best solutions to homelessness. And as a camera at one point does go, There's like a lot of homeless people here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is the pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, she the city knows what works. Why is That's right. Yeah. She says the city does what works. Yeah. That's the other <laughs> thing I liked <laughs> about it. it makes <laughs> Durkin
1: look fucking stupid because she has to just say, Ugh. Outside of the sort of local bubble of just talking to certain voices, like he just asks like a basic question. It's like, yeah, but it's not working, right? And he's like, well, you know, <laughs> but, and she just looks dumb, you know?
4: Well, and then that guy's like, you know, this is what it's going to cost, and this is what it costs continuously, mm-hmm. and this yeah. is what we have, and, like, you know, Jeff Bezos just got lauded for donating, like, some whatever million dollars, and people are like, oh, that's, like, a dollar of his actual, like, income, like, that mm-hmm. would be, like, that's literally, like, you putting a dollar into, like, the pennies for everybody. Fucking yeah. yeah, he but- puts
1: a figure on it, um, you know, and it's like, yeah, he actually sa- says, the guy says, a billion dollars sounds like a lot of money. I mean that hits that this encapsulates a lot of our like national discussion about fucking spending is that like no one understands the amounts of money you know a billion mm-hmm. dollars It's like no it's actually not we actually already spend like this many billions on this and it doesn't do anything we might as well spend it in a better way that isn't punitive that isn't that it's actually so i don't know it's encouraging that in some way like the it, some part of a media narrative is coming around i mean all this means really is that this must be some sign that sort of the lib mind is, has adopted the sort of housing first model as the pragmatic solution. So this is not like any indication that, um, like, uh, you know, anti-capitalism is prevailing in the media mm-hmm. narrative or something, but it's, it is an indication that outside of Seattle... Like, people like Ari Hoffman are used as like token jokes, you know, which is, it makes it all the funnier mm-hmm. that like Durkin basically caved to the right wing mm-hmm. on the home on this issue over the last year, only to have all those candidates fucking go down in the election. Mm-hmm. I mean, god damn, dude. Ugh. Yeah. Well, it, well,
4: go ahead. Oh no, go, no, 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 Please. Oh well, they they talked to like you know a couple unhoused people and the mm-hmm. actual interview interview and mm. who work full-time jobs like yeah. one of them works for the fucking post office you know and then yeah. she's like oh yeah when people find out that i actually don't have anywhere to live they're like what but how could you like you have a job like blah yeah. blah, blah, blah blah for the
1: uh, fucking post office yeah. like yeah, yeah. A for the federal government
4: federal yeah. job like if you hit her you're going <laughs> to prison for like 20 billion fucking years mm. and like i don't like i lived in san francisco in like you know twenty. 15 to 2017. And, I mean, it's the same thing you see, like, in the Mm -hmm. Tenderloin and everything, like, the hot neighborhood. Like, I worked right in there. Like, I worked right next to Skid Row in Los Angeles. Like, I lived in the south side of Chicago. Mm -hmm. Like, it's... it's, SF SF is this, like, Twitter kind of, like, publication. I would read it on the bus to work, and it talked about how San Francisco had been continually getting, like, just this insane amount of money to... The the government was given the same... Insane Mm -hmm. amount of money every year for 30 years to help with the homeless crisis there, but homelessness had just like exponentially just like raised on the same exact upward curve Mm -hmm. as tech, as big tech, you know, and housing and people being pushed out and like rents, not not having rent control and your rent going from like $800 a month to one one night to like $6,000 another night. Mm. And it's just like...
0: Yeah, I mean, I think a couple of years ago when, or maybe it was even just last year, when the city council had their big report on homelessness or whatever, that was all controversial. But the one thing that was really interesting in that is they had the sort of graph of comparing rent prices and like homeless rates over time. And like, look, no matter what we spend, it they always go together. Right, it's like this is literally a housing issue. Like, there's everybody knows we all. We, well, you have to actually every... fight yeah. the actual
1: problem, yeah. and the problem, the only problems we fight are, mm-hmm. oh, some very specific category of person just doesn't have a place to sleep tonight. Only, you know, and yeah. that's it. That's all we do. What's funny about like the whole? Well, it seems like the, the argument at least that they let Ari make in that segment was like, oh, we have to start thinking about this as a drug problem. And it's like, ultimately, what you know, like that, like start talking about fully funding drug treatment, Mm -hmm. uh, decriminalizing uh, safe injection and all that. And then suddenly you realize in this town anyway, oh, that narrative of it being a drug problem is just a way to like... to 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 lead you toward to criminalizing homelessness rounding people up and getting rid of them um so i think i don't know uh you know i hate i hate to imagine i mean that's the the fucked up thing here is if that's the narrative there is a convincing like uh, the narrative that could convince the libs right that maybe they're coming around to that like oh it is a housing problem, we need to do that also, we should probably have safe injection sites and fund fucking, like, drug treatment fully and all this um, what's funny is, I bet that'll, like, that message will get across in the next few years in a lot of places it's not Mm -hmm. going to here, because our libs are actually like, arch-conservative Republicans who Mm -hmm. just, like, run as Democrats like, like, Jenny, like, law and order fucking round them up uh, so it's like well oh, God, too much of the city.
0: Too much of the bread is buttered by real estate around here, which is the major problem. Like I mean, this all comes down to a real estate issue. Why why can't we have affordable housing because real estate interests don't want it? Like, why can't even safe injection sites because real estate interests don't want it? Right. And I mean this ends up being the problem over and over again. And the the amount of land in Seattle that's considered not valuable or like untouchable has declined dramatically. So there's nowhere to shove these people anymore, right? And uh, you know, the the real danger is in the show, the guy from the University of Illinois brings up, he's like, you know, we had this problem with homeless veterans, which we decided was a real issue. So the federal government dumped money into housing subsidies for veterans. And he's like, then they cut the homeless problem in half, like instantly. And that's the kind of solution you'd end up with in, with in Seattle. They'd be like, oh, 10,000 homeless is too much. 5000 is okay, (laughs) you know, like some sort of program like that. When the reality is, isn't housing subsidies or whatever. The the thing is, like, we should build government housing again. (laughs) Like, we should have community housing, you know, that you build and you just call housing a right and people have a right to live there, you know. That's the actual solution, but nobody's going to touch
4: that. And you all have addressed this in previous episodes as well about, Mm -hmm. you know, like the whole villainous like vilification of like drug usage of like vagrants mm-hmm. and people on the street and talking about like, no, a lot of people who use drugs also use them in their houses. Like, yeah,
0: yeah. There's yeah. A, <laughs> the you know, vast majority of drug users not are on their boats, in, in their yeah. house,
4: <laughs> not on boats.
3: No, <laughs> this not is a drug freeze. You no, know?
4: like you just are somewhere inside where, mm-hmm. you know, well- you, like, out of the eye. <laughs> yeah, well, and in the show, right? They
0: interview the guy who you know, who was like a data systems manager or whatever was homeless the alcoholic. Like, yeah, and they're like, oh, but he's also an alcoholic. It's like, yeah, dude. So it's, like most adults, you know? like yeah. yeah, somebody works at a bar, right? You know? Oh,
4: I know them all. I serve them <laughs> and <laughs> the I work with like, them.
0: This guy yeah, they
1: miraculously he, go he home. He wanted right? to sit there yeah. and say, like, Ugh. I know this is where it gets. So it, you know, I think this was the shadiest part of that whole doc. Mm-hmm. Is like, of course they they found the. The people that is like most people people who have jobs even this guy i don't know it feel like it was doing of course what you would expect someone like anderson cooper in 60 minutes to do was just try and play both sides but i think overall on the balance they mm-hmm. they kind of did okay this is kind of the shadiest part it wasn't having Ari on because they just he just sounded stupid yeah, yeah. it was this they even the, even so, they found a guy who had a job at the mm-hmm. fucking EPA. EPA. Yeah, yeah. He, he had like a tech job too. It was funny. Yeah,
3: a software <laughs> development EPA. Yeah.
1: And it's like they don't. They made it, they unfairly yeah. go like, oh, like you've got all these bottles sitting. You're sleeping outside on rocks. You've got all these bottles. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about how he can buy. They do the like the food stamps grift yeah. thing, where he's talking about like you can buy cooking sherry on food stamps. Uh. Um. Uh i think that shit i think the shit that's sold as cooking sherry cooking wine Mm -hmm. is like seasons like salt and pepper so my god um anyway uh (laughs) but the so it's shady it's fucked up but i mean at the end of the day you can they're still saying like well this is only part of the problem and this guy you know i don't know it's This is the stuff that depending on who you are, you're gonna see it differently. Like you're gonna go, Mm -hmm. this guy's like, No, I don't have a problem. I've got it under control. You know, I get to work on time. And then they're like, Well, he was fired for attendance problems. And people are gonna look at that and go, well, there you go. This is the sort of like um Mm -hmm. guy who made his choices, like, and can't get his shit together together. But like, I don't know, they still show him the fact that he did have a good job. He was like living on the street isn't like I Mm -hmm. bet if he had a fucking house, he would be able to yeah. hold his shit together and keep his job okay yeah he had attendance problems and like and he was clearly drunk when Anderson mm-hmm. Cooper was talking to him but like again he was sleeping on rocks yeah yeah like so like I bet if this guy had a fucking apartment he could be a perfectly like happy yeah, yeah. functional drunk for the rest of his life and God bless him you know mm-hmm. uh cause he seemed to be I mean he was keeping his job up to then at the EPA being on mm-hmm. the streets and Yep. And
0: housed. Like, well, he clearly had the job for a while. So yeah. it felt like he had always had attendance problems.
3: You know, right. Stuff. So, like, and,
0: you know, and that gets into the thing of, too, of like understanding how work works, too, of like, you know, they said attendance problems. But who knows why he got fired, right? Right. Maybe, right, right. maybe they just didn't like the fact Probably that he was. Probably
4: because the story homeless. broke. <laughs>
0: yeah. Maybe they heard that he was going to be on the show. Maybe yeah. they didn't like the fact Someone, that he was homeless, right? Yeah. Like, whatever, right? You know, I mean,. Attendance problems, one of those nice things you can write down. That kind of just oh, is, for a, sure. is a cover all.
4: Don't they say in the article like, what's a solution? And somebody outright says like, more like government housing. Or yeah,
0: yeah. That? Like got I me so annoyed. Is like, oh yeah, we just, we need it's just more housing. Like, like Stop there. selling to developers.
4: Yeah, like, yeah. like, actually build housing for people. Like affordable yeah. fucking housing. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the 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 mail carrier says that too. Yeah, uh, yeah. she
4: left. She left Seattle. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what it said that she left.
1: Yeah. So. <sighs> Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, fun. you know, someone like that with a federal job like that can, can probably, you know, go mm-hmm. to the, the, her employer and say, hey, I'm re- requesting a transfer to somewhere with a better cost of living. But you know what? There's still fucking, if ma- someone's mm-hmm. delivering your fucking mail, so someone's got all all yeah, these, these that mail hard, carriers right. are trying to like, I mean, it's probably like anyone else. These are the people who are living in fucking like, uh, Enumclaw. And commuting in to deliver your mail, you know, and it's like, and every other like low-paying service job, you know. I mean, fuck, man, the the postal service at one time was like the gig. Yeah, it was the gig Uh. when you couldn't get, you know, it was a gig for. Yeah, it was because there there was a time when the federal government was for decades the most sort of. Genuinely, like equal opportunity mm-hmm. employer, possible, and the and the postal service was like, you know, if you were, uh, you know, al- just all kinds of communities who were otherwise shut out of like um, other kinds of other industries mm-hmm. uh, up through up through the eighties uh, were able to like you know yeah. build like middle class like wealth with pensions and shit
0: like uh, carrying mail, you know? Yeah. And the downfall of that was that we've had a, basically, actually, it's the postal worker strike in like 1970. But really, in the last 20 years, we've had a concerted campaign to destroy the postal office, right? And destroy the postal workers union And the whole thing is that the post office post office needs to run more like a business, and so they passed work too. They passed, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, They got laws that passed that said that you know they have to fund their you know pension like twenty years out with revenue from that year. I mean, they basically like poison pilled the post office as much as they possibly could.
3: They and
0: uh, yeah, and the you know the run it like a private business has turned it into a shit job. Well, they've allowed they've allowed private.
1: uh, Enterprise to compete with the post office, Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, other countries don't do because obviously you can't, it's not going to work. You can't have a postal service Mm -hmm. and have private enterprise taking all the, the, the good, like, yeah, yeah, the, the good Fremont business, yeah. the <laughs> shit that, you know, and then mm-hmm. leaving the post office to do, like, the fucking c- carry the ads to your post box, you know, the mm-hmm. fucking coupons.
4: Well, it even got a bad rap with, like, email, and then they go, like, oh, snail mail, like, send it snail oh, yeah, yeah, mail, because yeah. yeah. it's so slow, like a loser. Well, what's funny
1: is, like, th- what's funny about that is, I mean, that obviously did, like... Mm-hmm technology the internet did like decrease the amount of shit traveling through the mail uh, and at first enormously but it then increased the number of stuff being bought via catalog you know Mm -hmm. um but what so in this period when in the yeah in the 80s and 90s when it was like The post office is going to die. We're going to have, you know, technology is going to replace it. We need Mm -hmm. to, like, run it more like a business. We need to open it up for to other businesses for innovation. Ultimately, it and this is, I mean, it's the same story with all this fucking privatization shit. It was actually that that has hurt the post office, not Mm -hmm. technology. Because if they had continued to, like, um, protect more of what the post office does and continue to run it the same way... They'd be fucking no. doing fine because you wouldn't have uh as
0: much you they wouldn't be getting beat out by uh
1: you well, know, FedEx and everything.
0: Yeah, the stuff about like poison pilling the post office by, you know, passing laws that say they have to, you know, fund their pension fund like ludicrously far in advance. Something that literally nobody in America has to do except for the post office, was because the post office was remarkably successful right like it was never gonna die in its so it had to be like fucking killed you know and congress you know with both parties has been dutifully working at that for decades now but
1: it's an important one too because it's not just like like any you know we were just the last episode we were talking about schools right have this Mm -hmm. idea to find this um public sector thing that if you could get rid of it and privatize it they would open up this big market The education is also more than that the post office is too mm-hmm. in that it's this vital thing that ultimately you can't do like normal people would not have had communication or be able to send things around the country just at most people for the most of the history of america if it wasn't for the postal service right but beyond that in other countries it the postal the success of postal services um like uh as government institutions has is where a lot of like government service provision has like been mm-hmm. invented because someone mm-hmm. got this idea that from government com- needing to communicate with its various um uh bureaucracies and uh uh local governments you know In places to then realizing you could just have let everybody pass whatever messages and material they wanted around relatively cheaply by centralizing like that instead of having a bunch of, you know, private companies Mm -hmm. to then going like, oh, we have this enormous, extremely well running government bureaucracy that has an office in every neighborhood in the entire Mm -hmm. country. Oh, now we can use that bureaucracy to dole out services so like we never did it in this country but every like the german post office is like the global example yeah. um from the 19th century of where they built up this incredible like system where then they were like well shit we can fucking do anything and now mm. it's a bank and it's, yeah. it ha- offers all and all of our all these other services are run out of the postal service you know and yeah uh this is you know um bernie has this plan to you know this is something that a a mm. lot of countries do is you use the postal service uh to offer banking services you know that's one yeah. main one but all kinds of other stuff you can do
0: yeah when i was in england everybody tells you uh go exchange your money at the post office because the post are also banks and they of course provide the best rates because they are trying to fucking screw you <laughs> right they you know make the little amount that they make and that's that right uh, yeah and it works perfect and people in those countries tend to like their post office and things like that and actually people it's kind of like schools too people here tend to like rate the, their post office highly but don't like the post office as a concept whereas yeah. like here people tend to think their school is very good but public school generally is like an awful concept which is proof that they've been propagandized right yeah. like yeah. the thing yeah. that they have like tactile you know a relationship with they think is great because they actually know and they see See it, uh, but they have had, you know, hours of propaganda just jammed into their fucking head a day about the other stuff. So, like, yes, as a concept, it's evil, but this one's good. You know,
1: it's like everything else. Like, you, mm-hmm. you know, you let them get, you let them get run down. um All the, po- you know, all post offices are beat down, old places mm-hmm. where they're now understaffed constantly. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember going in a, a couple Christmases ago. Mm-hmm. and and there's this incredible long line i was trying to ship something and there's this one lady this one like you know in her like probably 60 year old lady probably worked with the post office her whole life and running this entire show she had people going to each spot and like starting them okay start doing this because you know it's like a Mm -hmm. fucking process like okay now you gotta do this like get this i'll be back i'm gonna do this and she's wearing like this big winter coat because they won't let her turn the heat up, and it was fucking freezing in the post office. And you're like, this country, yeah. fuck this fucking place, man.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I mean, the interesting thing is, over the same 30 year trajectory where the post office has been like systematically beat down by the state, uh, it also facilitated through highly subsidized movement of packages the rise of the wealthiest company in human history. And yeah. so, I mean, like the ironies are everywhere, but you know.
3: <laughs> yeah
0: yeah i mean uh uh amazon
1: pro you know they shipped all their original product at the mm-hmm. media rate mm-hmm. which is like a discounted rate yep. uh for just for sending books in the mail it's probably one of the reason the motherfucker chose books yeah okay it's because uh, it was the cheapest shit to send the only thing that is cheaper than sending books in the mail is sending actually? I think they got rid of this and they collapsed this into one thing. But for decades, you the only cheaper rate than sending books was sending books to a library. Yeah. Uh, the library rate.
0: Mm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You used to be able to send newspapers actually at an extreme discounted rate as well, but they killed that because too many socialist newspapers. But yeah but yeah I mean the uh, I think they're in the early days of Amazon Bezos used to admit that he chose books because it was cheap to mail yeah, I but yeah of course but when he w- once he got involved in his own sort of legend creation I think that went by the wayside but right because that's, that's too banal yeah. I mean not, like I every bring, other hedge fund guy he just loves books yeah no
1: I bring <laughs> up the, the library right because again that was yeah. I think one of the key factors in the formation of the video bread model <laughs> right is if you're sending it to a library the library <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) rate applied anything going to or from a library because they used to because when this rate existed libraries used to mail you books to your house Mm -hmm. so you couldn't instead you could reserve a book but instead of having to go pick it up at the library the king county library system would just mail to your fucking house because it was basically free
2: (laughs) yeah well uh wow that was quite an odyssey um (laughs) <laughs> Marina, thank you for being part of it. Um Yeah, thanks for coming. Thank you
0: so much for being here. Yeah, thanks a Sorry, I had to hear so much about the fucking post office. When today. I think about
4: the post office, I honestly think about Charles Bukowski and like his <laughs> book The Post Office and just like yep. Yeah, that whole experience with him. I don't know if it was like
3: mm-hmm.
4: after the whole union busting or anything yeah. like that, but
0: Well, I think that more than uh Bukowski, Urban Outfitters selling Bukowski is what killed the post office. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, so if you're not already, you should go follow Marina at M Domingo Young on Twitter and they should follow girl bearer doc, which is the documentary that you've been working on
4: so slowly, but it's coming. It's (laughs) coming. My editor just informed me that her, um, work, her editing work down in LA, they are moving out of their building this month and moving to a new building. So she has to pack up all of her. Cool equipment, and you have another
0: does that does costly that, delay? Yes. I was gonna say, does that tend to make the editing go faster or slower? <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, so, um, we're just banking on people being too busy around the holidays to remember us anyway. So, okay. forget about us for a while, and then we'll see you in the next year. <laughs> All right, oh, okay. uh, you
0: should definitely come back on when Girl yeah. Beer comes out, though. Yes, God yeah.
4: when that happens. Yeah, independent filmmaking is time consuming.
0: Yeah. Wow, you don't got to tell Greg. He's worked on Michael Bay films. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: we have a few patrons to thank. Max Rappaport, thank you. Jeremy Voss, thank you.
0: Hey, thanks. Courtney
2: Roth Hernandez, right. thank you.
0: Hey, um, I know you, Courtney. All right. Hi, hey. Courtney.
2: <laughs> Man, Brian is our. Welcome sh- to the fam. Sure, daddy. Yeah, welcome to the family. Uh, the Freaks, the Freakhood. Uh, I don't know what their demonym is so until next time
1: yeah okay Okay. bye
2: everybody
3: Bye. Bye. bye bye bye